0: I'm sorry.
1: tonight, this is your opportunity to get out. Now folks, we do things different here. We don't just stand in our seat waiting for someone to come shake our hand. Get out. Visitors and all, get upstairs, around the side, shake hands. Welcome everyone here tonight. best, raise your hand now. Now, be careful now. Be careful now. You're not singing me anyway. You're singing the Lord, all right? Now, think about it. When we all get to heaven, there's going to be an opportunity for the choir director, whoever that is, to stand out and say, hey, are you singing the best you could? I don't think you'll need any prompting, will you? So let's turn it loose on the last verse, and I want to hear you sing, clap, whatever you want to do, but praise his name tonight. This is your opportunity. All together now. Onward to the prize before. Let's just do the whole verse. Ready to go? As I journey through this land, singing as I go.
0: Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Before all of you be still, will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all I can only? And I find myself standing in the sun I can only imagine when all I will do Is forever, forever worship you I can only imagine, yeah I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? For and all of you be still. Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine
2: Praise God, don't don't <laughs> Lord, I'm ready to jump in there with you. Mm. Open your Bibles if you have them, please, to the book of Hebrews. I'm gonna have to move on or I'm gonna have a spell, Tim. Oh, you don't know yet. You don't you don't see the ordering of the Holy Spirit yet in this service. I know because I know what I'm gonna preach on. Oh, God, He is in control. He is in control. Hebrews chapter 11, R.J. City has got a birthday coming up. Is he here? He's out back smoking, is he? Listen, every day, every birthday is important to everybody, but in R.J.'s life, every birthday is special because it signifies another year he survived with Bobby. Say amen. Wish him a happy birthday. Um, let's look at the Word of God tonight. Uh, if you would stand in honor of the reading of His Holy Word. Hebrews 11, we're going to begin reading in verse 13. I have to confess to you that of all the texts that I have studied to preach on, I have never had one, so I, captivate me, I guess would be the word. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to clearly... Uh, relay what has happened in my heart to you tonight, but I'm going to do my best. This is just an absolutely beautiful and wonderful passage of Scripture, and it has become so real to me, I pray that it will become real to you. Uh, just listen to it as I read it. I could read it and we could go home. Hebrews 11, verse 13 says this, These all died in the faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Listen to this. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. I'm going to read that one again because I like to hear it. But now They desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Thank you. You may be seated. Tonight, uh, with his help, I'm going to make it through this message, but I want to speak to you on this thought, homeless, but not hopeless. Homeless, but not hopeless let's pray Oh God I have seen your ordering in this service already and Lord I can't tell you what it's done to my heart for you to just show me that you're here that you're present Lord and that you are here to meet needs and speak to our hearts God I confess that if I get up here and I preach my sermon and I I do my thing and you're not in it God it's a waste of time we'll go home empty We would have been better if we had not come. But God, we came expecting you to meet with us. God, when your word's open, we expect it to speak to our hearts. So I give myself to you as unworthy and unqualified as I am, and I ask you to take me and preach through me. Hide me behind yourself that your people may be encouraged by your word. We love you, Lord Jesus, and therefore we lift you up in the next few moments in your name we pray. Amen. The Federal Department of Health and Human Services has reported that nearly 2.3 million adults and children will experience an extended period of homelessness this year. They have also reported that nearly 600,000 men, women, and children will become homeless tonight. The truth of the matter is that homelessness is a great problem in America, and it's a problem that federal, state, and local governments have extended many hours and millions of dollars trying to address. However, there is a group of homeless people in this country that the government can't do a thing for. You see, they're not homeless in the sense that they don't have a place to live in this world but rather in the sense that this world is not their home. I'm talking about the children of God. They are citizens of this country or residents of this country, but citizens of another country. The Word of God calls them pilgrims and strangers here on earth. Our text this evening comes from a chapter that you might call the Hebrews Hall of Fame. In the verses leading up to our text and following our text, there's a list of people given that read something like the who's who of the faith. Names like Enoch and Abel and Noah and Abraham and Sarah. They read uh, as a list of who's who in our faith and in our Bible. And they all serve to remind us of a principle that's brought out in our text tonight, and that is... While we may be homeless here, we are not hopeless here. We have a hope. There's three things that I want us to look at tonight from this text that I hope will be both a source of instruction and a source of encouragement to our hearts. When I look at this text, the first thing that I see is the decided life. The decided life. Now the people listed in Hebrews 11 along with the children of God, all began their life just like every other member of the human race. They were born into this world and by virtue of a sinful nature handed to them by their mamas and daddies, they were born of this world. The Bible tells us that we are born citizens of a sinful world. Now, however, there was a day when all of these people in Hebrews 11 heard a call from the king of another world. And by faith, they answered that call and from that day forward they were no longer naturalized citizens of this country but as one writer put it they were supernaturalized citizens of a country to come Uh, since that day they were changed they made a decision about the kind of life they were going to live by faith and you see every child of God somewhere Uh, comes to the point where they make a decision about the kind of life they are going to live in this world. It is the decided life that jumps out at us from this text, and it is a life of faith. There's a couple of things I want you to notice about their decided life and about their faith. Notice, first of all, we see the action of their faith. The action of their faith. Verse 15, look at it. It says, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out. We see in the first part of that verse that there was a time in the lives of these people from Hebrews 11 that they stepped out from their homeland or stepped out from this world in order to follow God. And every one of them did it because of faith in the promises of God. Verse 13 tells them, live the life they lived because they had faith in the promises of God. Enoch walked with God because he believed in the promises of God. Noah constructed an ark in a world that had never seen flood because he had faith in the promises of God. Abraham packed up the youngins, Well, he didn't have any youngins at that time. Packed up the livestock in the family and left Ur because he had faith in the promises of God. You see, to these heroes of the Bible, faith is an action word. Say amen. You see, to them, faith was more than just believing in what God said. It was acting upon what God said. Uh, There was a time in many of our lives this evening when we heard and we heeded this same call. We severed our ties to this old world, so to speak, and we stepped out and came out to be counted for God. And the lesson that these spiritual icons teach you and I Is that for the Christian faith is not an emotion faith is an action Martin Luther the great reformer said this true faith that is instilled in the heart by the Holy Spirit simply cannot be idle I like the bluntness of James James just looked us in the eye and said faith without works is dead in other words James said if the faith you have in Jesus Christ has not caused you to separate yourself from this world and become what you've been called to become, then, friend, your faith needs CPR. Can I get a witness? Uh, Somewhere your faith is dead if it has not created an action in your life. Now, not only do we see in their decided faith or their decided life the action of their faith, but notice further we see the attitude of their faith. Now, when we see these people in Hebrews 11 stepping out to follow God, it makes a statement about their attitude toward this world and toward the things of the Lord. And just so no one would misunderstand their attitude, verse 13 tells us that they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. You see, the action of their faith had created an attitude in their faith. In other words, these people could no longer be comfortable and cozy in this world. The things of this world had become strange and and foreign to them. And they then developed the attitude of a pilgrim that was only passing through this world. I say to you tonight, friend, if you can live in this world and be settled and satisfied with the things of this world, there is something seriously wrong with your faith. The child of God has been called to be in this world, but not of this world. We live here, but we don't love it here. This is where we dwell, but this is not what we desire. You see, the attitude of their faith was that I am a pilgrim. This is not my final home. Our attitude ought to be the attitude of the songwriter that said, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels have beckoned me from heaven's open door, and I just can't feel at home in this old world anymore. Church, I say to you tonight, your faith in Christ should create in you a decided life. It's a life that says, I live in this world, but I'm not planning to stay. Say amen. The pilgrims and Strangers in Hebrews 11 had a decided life. But I want you to notice something else, and I love this. Not only do we see in this text the decided life, notice secondly we see the developed longing. The developed longing. As these people in Hebrews 11 began to step out and follow God, something began to happen in their heart. It appears that they began to develop a longing, quite a longing for something and somewhere beyond this world. Say to you tonight that within every one of us there ought to be this same longing. You see, the developed longing is the natural reaction to the decided life that a child of God lives. When you make a decision to sever your ties from this world and come out and be counted for the cause of Christ, it's only natural that you should begin to long for something beyond this world. They developed a longing. You should have notice a couple of things about this developed longing. Notice, first of all, we see the urgency they have in their hope. The urgency they have in their hope. Look at verse 16. I love it. It says, but now they desire a better country. Uh, These pilgrims and strangers had begun to develop a longing and a hunger for a world beyond this one. There is an absolutely fascinating word in verse 16. It's that word desire. That word desire comes from a Greek word that means to reach after or to stretch out the hands. And the picture painted is of a man with his arms outstretched, yearning for his homeland. You see, these pilgrims in Hebrews 11 had been in this world and they had seen what it had to offer and they had not found anything that could compare to the hope they had of the world to come. Therefore, they went through this life with their hearts, reaching out, arms outstretched, yearning for another land. I don't know about you, but as I see the death and the danger and the destructions and the distractions of this world, sometimes I feel my old heart trying to reach, trying to stretch forth to touch that land. Sometimes I get that longing inside of me that makes me want to reach out. I kind of feel like a pilgrim with my arms outstretched, just hoping that I'll soon be able to see the lights of home. You see, there is an urgency in the hope of the believer. We long, we reach after, we desire something beyond this present world. But you see, not only in their developed longing, the urgency in their hope, or the urgency they have in their hope, but notice further, you see, the expectancy they have for their home. Look again with me, at verse 16. It says, but now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. These pilgrims in Hebrews 11 long for a new country because they fully expected it to be a better country. They believed that the life they lived down here was only a hell compared to the heaven that awaited them. You see, uh, they had developed quite a longing for their home, and they had some expectations of their home. It said in verse 16, they desired a better country that is a heavenly. See that word heavenly? It comes from a Greek word that literally means this, not here but above. Uh, these pilgrims and strangers had developed a longing for a place far beyond the place they now dwell. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad to know there's something beyond this world. I'm glad to know there's a place not here, but above. I'm glad to know there is somewhere better, a better country than the one I now reside in. Oh, the world may wonder sometimes, why do these Christians always talk about heaven? The answer is simple. We know heaven is better than here. Say amen. Now here we face sickness and death. Oh, but in that better country, there's only health and life. Here we Uh, have struggles and sin, but in that better country there's only peace and pleasure. Oh, church, I have developed a longing for that better country because I, I know that it's a world better than the one I now reside in, and it is a world far away from the troubles I now reside with. Can I get a witness? It is a better country that draws me. I read about a preacher who asked his congregation one night, he said, how many of you want to go to heaven tonight? Well, every hand in the building went up with the exception of one little boy in the balcony. So after the service was over, the preacher went to the little boy and he said, Sonny, why didn't you raise your hand? Don't you want to go to heaven? The little boy said, well, yeah, preacher, I want to go to heaven someday, but I thought you was getting a load up to go tonight. In my short lifetime, I have begun to develop quite a longing for heaven. And it's getting so strong now that I don't believe I'd be in the least bit upset or I don't believe I would offer up any objections if the Father decided to get a load up to go to right. There has become in my life and, and in our lives a developed longing. We find ourselves reaching after a world beyond this one. Yeah. I would go, I'd go visit some of our elderly folk in the church here and when they're in the hospital, and, and I, I think about Miss Delcy Hall. The last time I went to see Delcy, that she was awake, uh, she, Delcy couldn't hear anything, bless her heart. And you knew if somebody from the church was visiting her because you'd hear them yelling at her. But Delcy, I said, I, I said Do you need anything, Delcy? No, no. She looked at me and she said, I want to go home. And I don't think Miss Delsey was talking about leaving the hospital. I think she had her arms outstretched. <laughs> I think she was reaching over into a country I couldn't see, longing and yearning for a land beyond my vision. Uh, they had a developed longing in their hearts. But I want you to notice the third and the final thing from this text. Not only do I see the decided life and the developed longing, but thirdly and finally I see the divine land. Let at do verse 16 once more. But now they desire a better country. I said a better country. (laughs) That is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Shut my Bible and we could go home right now and shout the rest of the week. You know why verse 16 is so special? Because it reveals to us that this developed longing is not a one-way thing. I'm glad to tell you tonight, church, somewhere there's a God who longs for His people as much and even more than they long for Him. Ah, believe it or not, the longing has become so great that He has prepared for them a city. He longs for His people. The yearning is not just within our heart. We're not the only ones reaching out, trying to touch. I believe sometimes in heaven, The Father sits on the throne and I believe He sees His people in their troubles and in their woes and I think sometimes His arms go up. And I think sometimes He sees His weary pilgrims and He wants to reach out and touch them. There is a developed longing in the heart of God and that's why we have this divine land that is revealed to us. You see, church, us homeless will one day have a home. We may be homeless here, Praise His name, we're not hopeless. There is a divine land. I want you to notice a couple of things about this divine land and then I'm through. First of all, when I think about heaven, I think that it is the land of a fulfilled relationship. The land of a fulfilled relationship. There's an interesting statement, verse 16, that seems to be kind of interjected in there. It's that statement, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. And i got to confess to you, I had trouble, not necessarily with the meaning of that statement, but the placement of it. As I read it in my mind for some reason, and it may not be this way with you, but it seemed almost out of place. Because the discussion is on heaven, and then all of a sudden this statement is interjected. But as I began to pray about it and, and read it over and over again, one simple thought came to my mind, and that is the relationship between God and His people. Let me explain what I mean. When Enoch set out to walk with God, he set out and embarked on a lifelong relationship. As Noah swung his hammer and prepared the ark, he was building on a lifelong relationship. As Abraham packed his things and pulled out of Ur, he was building and and setting out following a lifelong relationship. While these pilgrims of the faith they had a relationship with a holy God as they walked on this earth. But the truth of the matter is that that holy relationship, that relationship they had with God was never quite full. It was never quite fulfilled as long as they lived on this earth. But then there was a day in the life of these heroes of the faith when that relationship reached its fulfillment. When they stepped out of this world and into the next. Uh, As I walk through this world, I have a relationship with my Lord Jesus Christ. But to be honest with you, this relationship is hampered and hindered somewhat because I am still in this present world and carrying around this passing body. Oh, but don't you worry. There is coming a day when I'm going to step out of this decaying world. I'm going to lose this dying body, and I'm going to step into the presence of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, church, at that moment that I step into his presence, the relationship between sinner and saint, servant and sovereign, will reach its full fulfillment. On that day, that relationship will reach its full potential. For then I shall truly know him, for I shall see him as he is. Now heaven is the land of a fulfilled relationship. And I'm glad to tell you that in heaven the God who has not been ashamed to be called our God and the servants who were never embarrassed to be called his servants will meet each other face to face. And all our questions and all our doubts and all our disappointments will disappear. For that relationship will be fulfilled. Charles Spurgeon, my favorite preacher, sent a letter to Andrew Bonar, one of my other favorite preachers. And requested Dr. Bonar to send him one of his books uh, with an autograph and a photograph. Mr. Bonar sent it to Mr. Spurgeon. Inside he enclosed a note that said this. Dear Spurgeon, here is the book with my autograph and with my photograph. If you had been willing to wait a season, you could have had a better likeness. For I shall soon be like him. For I shall see him as he is. Thanks be to God, one day our relationship with Christ will reach its fulfillment, for we shall be like Him. Amen. Oh, we shall know Him as He is. But notice something else about this divine land. It's not only the land of a fulfilled relationship, but it's the land of the final reward. In verse 16, it tells us that God's not ashamed to be called their God, and because of that He hath prepared for them a city. You see, these pilgrims in Hebrews 11 really had something to look forward to. Because of His grace and through their faith, God had begun working and building on a special city. Many people wonder why we Christians would make the decision to deny the pleasures of this world and disconnect ourselves from the practices of this world. Why would you want to miss so much of this life, they may say. Oh, I believe the songwriter offered... The best answer to that when he penned the words, there's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. Church, why do we decide to be homeless in this world? Why have we adopted the attitude of pilgrims and strangers? The answer is simple. This world holds nothing for us. We now look for a better country. Uh, This world is not our final reward. We're heading for our final reward. Someone once came to visit the great British preacher, Joseph Parker, and for 30 minutes they sit and told Dr. Parker about a recent visit they had had to the Holy Land. When they finished, Dr. Parker in his own special way kind of began to wave his arms up toward the sky. And he said, Friend, there, there is my holy land. Amen. Yes. This world may offer to us no rest and no reward, but that's okay. We're looking for a city not made by hands. Amen. This world may not ever give us the ease and the peace that we're looking for, but that's okay. We're going to the new Jerusalem, God Almighty's holy land, Amen. the land of our final reward. I fear that Uh, many in the faith today are finding themselves bound by the things of this world. And I fear that many more are finding themselves burdened by the things of this world. Maybe what needs to happen is that many of us need to be reminded that it's not in this world that we seek our satisfaction. It's not in this world that we seek our, our peace and our joy. No, no, now we desire a better country. (laughs) That is, in heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called our God, for he hath prepared for us a city. Take heart tonight, weary pilgrims. Uh, We may be homeless here, but praise his holy name. We're not hopeless. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as the musicians come and begin to play softly, we will not linger But maybe there's someone in this building tonight who would be honest enough, not so much with me, but with God, to say, the truth of the matter is, Brother Terry, I have allowed myself to become not so much a pilgrim as a a permanence. Brother Terry, I have allowed myself to be bound by some things in this world. I'm saved, Brother Terry, but the truth of the matter is I've let money or, or, or happiness or wealth or... Some of the, I've let it bind me, Lord. And Brother Terry, I want you to pray for me because the truth of the matter is I have lost my pilgrim status. I'm no longer a stranger in this world. It's, it's feeling awful comfortable. Brother Terry, would you pray for me? If that's you, would you slip your hand up right see it and, sit and then put it back down? Pray for me, Brother Terry. The truth of the matter is I've not been the pilgrim I ought to be. I've been a little comfortable in this world. Anyone? Good, thank you. Anybody else? Maybe you're here tonight and you'd be honest enough to say, Brother Terry, I've not been bound so much by the things of this world. I'm not not away from the Lord. But, Brother Terry, the circumstances of my present life and journey have got me burdened. Brother Terry, my heart is heavy by the things I see going on around me. Will you pray for me? Would there be anyone like that would slip your hand up and say, Brother Terry, pray for me. Thank you. Slip it up, slip it down. Pray for me, Brother Terry. My heart is heavied by the things around me. If you raised your hand, they're going to begin to play softly. And as they do, I want to challenge you to do one thing. I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to come down here and say, Lord God, thank you for reminding me that I'm just a pilgrim. Lord, forgive me for taking my eyes off of the final destination. Uh, Forgive me for taking my eyes off of that land of the final reward and beginning to look around here for a reward. Lord, I want you to take me... And make me what you'd have me to be. So I can be the kind of stranger and pilgrim you'd have me to be. If that's you, I want you to get up and do that tonight. I want you to come down here and seek his face. I just want you to be obedient. Maybe what you want to do tonight is just get out of your seat and say, Thank you, Lord God. Thank you that you're not ashamed to be called my God. Thank you that you've prepared a city for me. I just want you to be obedient to the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your providence and your ordering in this service. I pray your spirit would not leave till we've left. Work in the hearts of people and we'll thank you and give you the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.